All right, so we are um, in our series, First World Problems, and the purpose of this series, this is, this is a series that um, Johnny Riken and I sort of brainstormed last year, uh, but the purpose of this series is kind of threefold. A, to open our eyes to how blessed we really are, to see that regardless of what we have or don't have, we can actually be content, and to help us realize that God has blessed us for a reason. Okay, so last week we sort of gave you an introduction and and we covered a few things and and one of the things I want to sort of review for the sake of those who missed is um, is is this first point: the phrase first world problem" can be offensive depending on how we use it. Uh, this is something we talked about last week, but I felt like it's, it's important to sort of cover these points again. The phrase first world problem" can be offensive depending on how we use it. When I was doing the research for this study, I ran across multiple articles where people were so offended by this term. And so I sort of like, okay, let's see what this is really all about. Um, For example, um, if at the end of my tirade on how the barista at Starbucks screwed up my triple grande non-fat wet cappuccino, (laughs) I then finished my rant by saying, I know, first world problem. Um, I signal that I know that this is just a minor frustration of a very fortunate life, right? But if I'm not careful, that can kind of become an ostentatious brag, right? If I'm not really careful. Like, like what if, like when we went to Nicaragua um, several, a few years ago uh, on a mission trip, I made some friends there. And, um, and what if somebody had recorded my rant, posted it on Facebook? They probably would have been really offended by that, right? <laughs> because... Because because they they could be offended in that I categorize myself as fortunate, insinuating others are not fortunate, right? So it can it can sort of be a brag if we're not careful, but it can be offensive in other ways, right? Like if after you listening to you pathetically pathetically complain about how your Uber took ten minutes to arrive, and I respond with first world problem then I'm sort of aggressive, uh, aggressively staking the moral high ground um, and not really being honest that I'm no different than you, right? <laughs> I complain about pathetic, stupid stuff all the time. Um, and so, in other words, using it on other people can be a hypocritical way of saying shut up, right? <laughs> when, we're no, when we're no different. And then we can also find ourselves using on other pe- people and actually minimizing real problems they face, right? Say, for example, um, your car breaks down. And I say, first world problem, because most people in the world don't have cars, right? Um, And even though owning a car, like, puts you in the very top tier of the world's wealth, if your car breaks down in North Texas, that's a real problem, right? We don't have mass transit like like New York does or other cities, like, uh, right? So, so if I'm not careful, I can be insensitive to a real problem, albeit a problem that's generally only found in the first world, right? Um, and we talked about some other things um, last week, too, how the, the, phrase, the term first world um, is, isn't even an applicable term anymore because we don't even use the term third world. It's the developing world and things like that. Um, but we can be insensitive and we can be hypocritical 
And we have to be careful that we're not being offensive. And, and honestly, I think the worst way we can be a, a, a put ourselves at risk of that is like social media, right? Like if somebody is complaining on social media and you just respond with hashtag first world problem, you don't, have, you don't even know the context, right? And so let me just encourage you not to do that. Um, but I think this was an important point to, re- to review because the more we talk about this, the more conscious you're going to become of, of this tendency, not only in yourself, but in others, right? Which increases the risk of you becoming offensive because we generally see like, like something that's a problem in us. We generally see it more in others because <laughs> we're kind of blind to ourselves, right? Um, and I don't want you guys walking away from this series and just becoming people who throw this phrase around all willy-nilly, right? I mean, I do think it can be a productive way to remind ourselves and especially our children from, truly, from letting truly trivial matters consume us and, and lose sight of how blessed you are um, and, and, and just cry like spoiled little babies, right? As long as we're not being insensitive, hypocritical, or boastful, right? You guys with me? You still love me? Okay, good. <laughs> All right, so just out of curiosity, for those who were here last week, after what we had talked about last week, how many of you were more aware of this tendency to lose sight of how blessed you were and complain about trivial things? Okay, good, awesome. Um, what was um, what did that awareness do for you? Anyone? Yeah. Okay, good. Made you stop and think. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Anybody else have something different? Yes. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Good. Yes. Good. That's awesome. All right. Um, anybody else before we move on? All right, good. Um, now, the most important thing I think we accomplished last week, I want to review this as well, um, is to come up with a working definition of the term first world problem, right? Like if I asked all of you for a definition, I'd probably get lots of different answers. Um, and you might even choose to define this a little differently. But for the purpose of this series, here's the definition that we have, our working definition. A first world problem is a trivial problem that consumes us, causing us to lose sight of how blessed we really are. And honestly, when you look at all the memes of first world, you know, all the first world problem memes, that's a pretty good description, pretty good definition of that, right? Um, 
And like I said, the, fir- the term first world problem was originally coined back in 1979, and it was a serious term re- uh, referencing the um, urban housing problems that were only present in the first world. Um, but then as time went on, it was sort of became what it is today, where it's just this reference to how ridiculous we can be and complain about stupid stuff when we're, we're really blessed. So, so this, is our, this is our definition, a trivial problem that consumes us, causing us to lose sight of how blessed we really are. So with that working definition, we did this last week, and I want to do it again. What are, let, let's just take a few minutes and, and make fun of ourselves, right? At some of the ridiculously trivial things we complain about when we become so blinded to how blessed we are. And again, this isn't a time to get on your soapbox and point to this group of people or that person. This is confession time, okay? <laughs> this is where you can get to be real and let's make fun of ourselves. Um, what are some of the things you find yourself griping about um, when you, and you later realize it's just ridiculous? And I'll go first. Um, this week, this is a new one for me, Okay. This week I was driving across town and I see all these signs for the mayor's race in Frisco. And I realized I don't know anything about these mayors, right? These guys running for mayor. And so I get on my phone while I'm driving at a stoplight, okay? And and I look up an article that sort of an interview of these two guys running for mayor. And I start reading it. Well, then the light turns green and I think, Siri ought to be able to read the rest of the article to me. And so I hit my, the button on my phone, and I said, Siri, read the article that's on my browser. Should be an easy command, right? And she, she's so stupid. I mean, I got so upset. <laughs> I'm like, stupid Siri. She ought to be able to do that. That's a simple command, right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, that was really dumb. Um, so what about you? What are some of the things that you find yourself griping about but later realize you're so ridiculous to do so. Yes, ma'am. I always complain that I don't eat enough food, but then I just being in here reminding me, well, I have like a bag and a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not ideal amount of food, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of food. And it's right. pretty comfortable. <laughs> I really shouldn't complain that much. That's true. That's good. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Early access <laughs> Early access to concerts. Yeah. But you get upset when you miss the early access? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yes. Um, frustrated that there's always enough flooding between the windows to get new cars to Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, I'm the same way, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? How about some of our teenagers? Any of our teenagers have one? Yes. <laughs> but it's not your car anymore, right? Oh, that, okay, I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right anybody else any teenagers have one i know you guys have i know you guys do it you're probably the worst offenders right <laughs> oh you're really okay <laughs> all right so we can be pretty ridiculous in the things we that sort of get the best of us sometimes can't we and I don't know if you've ever realized this before, but whenever we lose sight of how blessed we are and complain about stupid stuff, it reveals some things about us, right? So today I want to sort of just spend some time digging at the roots of our ridiculousness um, so that hopefully we'll be able to achieve the purposes of having our eyes open to how truly blessed we are, that regardless of what we have or we don't have, we can actually be content, and to help us realize that God's blessed us for a reason, okay? So one of the first things that's revealed about us when we complain about ridiculous things is that we are so stinking spoiled. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and yes, so stinking is a theological term. It means beyond measure, okay? <laughs> I mean, do you realize how spoiled we are? It's ridiculous, especially here in the, the North Dallas, Frisco, Prosper, McKinney area, we're so spoiled. Every year, Vicki and I get an opportunity to, uh, to go to this mountain retreat in Virginia that this couple just so graciously let us go for free. And, and it's an opportunity for us to pull back and rest and, and, and just get away. And, and it's a beautiful place, right? But the frustration for us is that the towns that are nearby, the restaurants and the shopping suck. They're awful. <laughs> I'm just being honest, okay? I mean, the, the grocery stores are dirty. The restaurants are dirty. The, the choices are, are not great. And, and, and then, you know, we really like prefer cooking at the house anyway, but I can't, I mean, I like to grill. And my favorite thing to grill is salmon, her favorite thing is filet mignon, and you can't buy either one of them there. It's like, seriously, I'm a thousand miles closer to the Atlantic Ocean, and there's no salmon here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> but, but it just reveals how spoiled we are. Um, even though, and, and even though we have a good time and, and we rest and, and it's great for us, we are so glad to get back to Frisco. 
because we're just and, and just to enjoy all the luxuries and conveniences we have. And and we are so spoiled, but we know we're spoiled, right? And so we try to keep the complaining to a minimum. Um, but have you ever met someone who is so spoiled and they don't know they're spoiled? Oh man, it is so hard to be around that person, right? It's just they are they complain about every ridiculous thing. And they, and, and they take griping about stupid stuff to a whole new level. Um, but what's really bad is when our spoiled nature seeps into our Christianity. Melanie sent um, Vicky a video this week. And um, when she first played it on her phone or computer, I remember I was sitting on the sofa with her. And I was hearing it, and I thought, that is so offensive. I mean, I cannot believe this guy's doing it because I thought he was for real. <laughs> and then I realized that it's just an, uh, a, a Christian comedian who's poking fun at our ridiculousness. So I brought that video today. You want to go ahead and hit it? Well, I was going to go to Macy's, but Dillard's is having a sale. Man plans his steps, but the Lord directs his path. Look at these purses. Excuse me, this is fashion now? Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, Spencer's gifts? Mm-mm, guard your heart. Finish line? Oh, yes, run the race I have set before you. 30% off all things work together for good. Oh, would you look at these here? Run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Uh, no thank you. I don't need any skincare samples. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, there's Starbucks, thank heaven, streams in the desert. Look at these watches for such a time as this. Look at all this baggage. No thank you. I have left my burdens at the cross. Oh, I love this bedding. Yes, all who are weary, he will give you rest. Look at these knives. These are perfect iron sharpens iron. Oh, man does not live by bread alone. Hey, Adam, you want to take a bite of this? Mm-mm, man's original sin. Microsoft only for me. Thank you. Oh, Lululemon, he will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. Oh, Zales, absolutely not. My treasure is in heaven. Payless is having a sale. Lead me not into temptation. Oh, judge all you want to. You without sin cast the first stone. Oh, love this hat. Look at this. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. I will dwell in the Nestle Toll House of the Lord forever. I come all the way in here for a sale and they don't have my size. Jesus, please, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Oh, I was going to go to Macy's, but Dillard's is having a sale. Oh, Man, please, again. steps, but the Lord. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, be honest. How many of you have ever thanked God for finding a Starbucks? <laughs> yeah, I know I have. Um, but you know, when he said, when he ran into the Starbucks, he goes, oh, thank heavens, streams in the desert, right? I have to admit, I was a little convicted that I've allowed myself to be so spoiled by Starbucks when there are people every day who fall to their knees thanking God because they found a stream, right? Oh. So we can be super spoiled, but the tragedy for us um, is what happens to us spiritually the more spoiled we get. In uh, Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells this story called the parable of the sower. And he talks about how the sower throws and, and throws seed out on four different types of soil and the result of what happens to that seed on the four different soils. And um, one of those soils is the, um, the thorny ground. And he finishes telling the parable. The disciples ask what it meant, and he explains it. And when it come, he comes back to, the, to the, the seed that fell among the thorns, listen to what he says. 
The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. What this means for us is that your abundance can rob you of what's really important. You know, in that parable of all the force of, of, of the, the three soils that were not producing fruit, we're at most risk of that one because the, the, we have so much. We have so much abundance. Um, but all the things that we worry about will one day pass away. But the truth of God's word is going to last forever. And if we were smart, we would spend more time investing in that which lasts forever than that which is going to pass away. Amen? Something else that's revealed about us when we complain about ridiculous things is that our modern conveniences can make us incredibly lazy. Last week, Johnny shared a list of uh, the, the laziest things um, people have done. But today, I brought some pictures. Um, so go ahead. let's go ahead and bring up the first picture. <laughs> I don't know how long this driveway is, but that's pretty lazy when you can't even walk your own trash can to the street. Can you see it? <laughs> and that's an easy one, too. It just lifts right off. Why? Uh, yeah. That's pretty lazy when you can't even pull the old one off to put the new one on. So, yeah, uh, my wife's birthday is tomorrow. And um, how, how much trouble do you think I'd be in if I did that? <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Can you read the sign underneath? Less one hour. Too lazy to change the clock on time change. <laughs> I think there might be one more. Is that it? That's it? Okay, awesome. Um, now, as funny as some of those are, God doesn't have a whole lot of tolerance for laziness, does he? If you read through Scripture, especially in the book of Proverbs, there's some pretty harsh words for lazy people. And then when you get in the New Testament, uh, it's no different. Um, Jesus told this story in Matthew 25 of the parable of the talents. And in the story, the the master entrusts a measure of money to each one of his three servants for them to uh, put to use while he's gone on a long trip. So the first two servants, uh, they, they do a good job, and they, they do a good job of, of being good stewards of what he has entrusted them. But the third servant was not a good steward, and this is what happens. The servant with the one bag of silver this is after the master came back. He said, came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you put... Put, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. 
I would hate to think that any of us would ever let ourselves become so lazy that God would want to take away from us all that he has entrusted us with. The truth of the matter is that God has entrusted us with much. Therefore, much is required. But looking back at the story we just read, the reward is great. He gives you great reward when, you're, when you um, are good stewards of what he's given you. So let's cut the root of laziness out of our life, shall we? Let's just pull that root right up. It doesn't belong there. Um, now, I want to move on to one of the more serious roots um, that um, causes us to lose sight of how blessed we are and become consumed with trivial matters, and that is ingratitude. And the reason ingratitude is such a serious one and such a bad root to this problem, ingratitude will blind you to all you should be thankful for. And I was encouraged to hear that some of you even said that thinking about what we talked about last week made you feel more thankful, right? And that's what it should do. But ingratitude will blind you to all that you should be thankful for. Um, And this is one of the primary causes of us losing sight of how blessed we are. And God has really harsh words for those who are ungrateful. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he gives this synopsis of the human condition and the decline uh, and and how it just evolves into into all sorts of depravity. But he, he starts off by saying this. He said, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So in this description, part of what led these people to these dark and confused minds is what? Ingratitude, right? Listen to the warning that Paul later writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Wow, that's a pretty accurate description of our culture, isn't it? (laughs) Um, And right in the middle of that description is the word ungrateful. Listen, you don't need me to tell you how bad ingratitude is, right? We see it all the time. We, when we see it in other people, we hate it, don't we? It just, 
It just turns us off. We hate it when we see it in other people. And as parents, it's like we're playing whack-a-mole when it raises its ugly head in our kids, right? Because they're a reflection of us, right? We, we jump on that quick. But guess what? As God's children, we should be a reflection of him. There should be no place for ingratitude in God's people. And yet I see it all the time because, and it causes us to lose sight of how blessed we are. And then we're not thankful for all we have. You know, there's a saying that's been around for uh, who knows how long, um, but it says, in, in every cloud, there's a silver lining, right? And it points to, there's always something good in every bad thing that happens. But, and that, you know, that's not just some cute little saying that has no merit, I think it points to the universal truth that God has himself has set in motion that every that in everything we can find something to be grateful for. Which means we should find something to be thankful for in every situation. Notice what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says. Be thankful in what? All circumstances. Not just a few not just the good ones, not even just the, the semi-good ones, all circumstances, even the bad ones, even the tragic ones, even the horrible ones, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to, 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 to Jesus Christ. Do you think that's asking too much? I mean, to be honest, if God puts it, if God tells us that, to do it, he's enabled us to do it, right? But that's not always easy, right? I mean, what about when I wreck my car? Should I be thankful in that circumstance? Do you think we can find something to be thankful in that circumstance? Yeah, I mean, I didn't die. Right? There's all sorts of things that we can look for. Like if I just wrecked my car and didn't get hurt, man, there's a lot to be thankful for, right? Um, but there's so many things that we can be thankful for in every situation. What about if I lose my job? Can we be thankful in that situation? Absolutely, right? We can be thankful that I have feet and legs and arms and can go find another job. That I have wisdom and cognitive abilities that God has given me and there are other jobs out there, right? What, what if, you know, what if I break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend? You know, what if that happens to you? Can you find something to be thankful for? Absolutely. What, what, what if it's more serious? What if you're going through a divorce? Do you think that applies, does the scripture applies to that? It says all. I think if we have grateful hearts, we can find something to be grateful for in every circumstances, in every circumstance. If God tells us to do it, he's given us the ability, he's enabled us in some way to be able to do it. And being grateful, having a grateful heart will help you not to lose sight of how blessed you really are. And that's why I think this little phrase is so helpful to remind us of how blessed we are and be thankful. 
So ingratitude is definitely one of the worst causes to our first world problem problem, but ingratitude has uh, an evil twin that works side by side with them, and that's entitlement. And when those two join forces in our hearts, then we lose, we, we lose sight of how blessed we are, and we become with, becomes uh, consumed with trivial problems. See, where ingratitude blinds you to all that we've been blessed, entitlement turns your focus to what you don't have. Right? Entitlement will cause you to only see what you don't have. While our focus should be on how blessed we are, ingratitude blinds us to our blessings, while entitlement shifts our focus to all the things we don't have or we're missing or could have been better or I'm entitled to this, but it's not mine, right? Um, Ingratitude blinds us while entitlement shifts our focus to what we don't have. The more we have, the more entitled we become. Have you noticed that? Um, which is why in our culture of wealth and abundance and, con- and convenience, every generation is more entitled than the previous one, right? I know that I'm far more entitled than my parents' generation. And I know that my kids are far more entitled than my generation. It's just the way it works because our wealth just keeps accumulating. Our conveniences just keep getting better and better. And the more we have, the more entitled we become. And there is nothing attractive about entitlement, right? Because it just makes us more spoiled. It just makes us more lazy. And it just makes us more ungrateful. But God has given us a different way to live. Instead of being entitled, he teaches us to be content. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13 says this. Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Really? You've learned that secret, Paul? What is it? Tell us. Verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I brought this up last week, but this is so important for us, guys. How many of you heard that last verse outside of this context? (laughs) Especially in our culture, we use it so, we, we take it out of context in so many ways. But this is the original context, talking about being content. God gives us strength to be content, regardless of our situation. Therefore, entitlement should not even be a part of the believer, just as much as ingratitude shouldn't be a part of a a believer, right? We can be content with whatever we have, and if we're not content, there is strength available through Christ to be content. And I I know this is, I, th- I think this is a really important point for us to grasp, especially in our culture. Most of us have learned how to be thankful, but I think entitlement is probably one of the biggest problems in our culture, especially when we're talking about this, this subject. And so in your bulletins, 
I have put a little sticky note to serve as a reminder. You can take it and you can put it on the, the dash of your car. You can put it on your refrigerator. You can put it on your mirror. Wherever you need a reminder, man, let's learn this scripture in context, okay? That I can be content with whatever I have, and there is strength available through Christ to help me do that. Amen? Think we can do that? All right. So, three challenges, two challenges. Let me just let's wrap it up. Uh, give you two challenges. Um, these are s- the same as last week, but a little tweaked, different. The first one is tap into the strength Christ gives you and be thankful and content in everything. You know, just as much as there is strength available through Christ for us to be content in everything we have, I think the same holds true for being thankful. Just as as First Thessalonians said, be thankful in all circumstances. If we have to rely on our own strength to do that, I don't think we'll pull it off sometimes. But there's strength available for us to be thankful and content in everything. Absolutely everything. And if we're thankful and content, then we're not going to be losing sight of, of what, how blessed we are and gripe about the stupidest, ridiculous stuff, right? This first world problem thing is going to be characterized to the world. It shouldn't be characterized to Christians, amen? We shouldn't be entitled. We should never be unthankful. And then um, I shared a story last week about how going on a mission field and seeing how other people live really has a profound impact on you. Um, when you see how people in other cultures have virtually nothing, and yet they're happy. And I get bent out of shape for the littlest inconveniences. And so I don't think you have to go out of, out of the country and see how people live in, in the developing world, but um, I definitely think it helps. And, and if, you, if you can't do that, I want to encourage you participate in the homeless outreach coming up in two weeks. I mean, just when we did that last fall, it's humbling to see how people just 30 miles from here are destitute and live with nothing and are struggling for their next meal and looking for where they're going to sleep next and have to figure out where they're going to find clean water and where where they're going to take the next shower if there's even that possibility. And We're blessed, guys. And we can't afford to be unthankful and entitled. And God has blessed us for a reason. We say it here all the time that God's blessings should never terminate on us. We should always be giving back. And so this is a perfect opportunity to do that. Um, I really want to encourage you to participate in that. It's going to be awesome. We're going to bring summer provisions for them. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to bring food. We're going to do as much as we can. We're going to pray with people. Um, It's going to be awesome. And I want you guys to be a part. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you for how much you've blessed us. 
know, God, that we can, I know, I know, God, that we're all guilty of losing sight of how blessed we are and letting trivial matters consume us, and we don't want to be one of your spoiled little kids. We don't want to be ungrateful, and we don't want to be entitled. I pray, God, that you would give us a revelation of how you see things. I pray that you would open our eyes, God, to not only how blessed we are, but the reason that you bless us. pray, God, that you would help us to be the most thankful people on the planet and the most content. We should never be convicted on being discontent by someone who has nothing because we're just so blessed, God. So help us, God. Help us to see that we can be thankful in all circumstances. Help us to see that we can be content in everything. And help us to tap into your power to do so. It's available. It's right there. All we got to do is reach out. Say, Lord, help me. So I thank you, God, for what you're doing in all of us. Thank you for the transformation that's taking place in our hearts and the transformation that will continue to take place as, the long, as we continue to seek you in this and seek your strength to be thankful and content. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.